Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Huddle here on this Monday. It is episode 98, and we are here today to talk some sports with you. I'm Zach Kroll, along with my guy, Real Will, and we have a big-time show for you guys today. We have so many things to discuss. We're going to be talking some football. We're going to be talking some basketball and many other things in between. But before I start off today, I want to introduce my co-host, The Real Will. How are we doing today, my guy? Listen, I am doing good. I cannot complain at all. All right, last week I was a little bit sick. I forced to get on the air, and I wasn't 100%. I ain't like my performance, but I'm damn sure back, and I am ready. It's been a lot of things that happened over the last couple of weeks. This week, maybe not so much. Not a lot of news, but we got to be creative, and we got to continue to put that content out for our listeners to enjoy, and that's exactly what we're going to do in right about now. Absolutely, man. So there is, as you said, not many that not many uh, new news in the cycle over the last couple of days. But there is one topic that we discussed last week that we wanted to discuss a little more. We wanted to expand our thoughts a little more, and that is this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. And I'm gonna start it off because, well, I'm gonna say this, man. I think that for people like you and I who've been watching Aaron Rodgers throughout his whole career. We've never met the guy. We have no idea what is, you know, who he really is. We've never even been in the same room as him. But at the same time, I think we're both pretty sure that given Aaron Rodgers' track record, he's kind of a difficult guy to work with. And that doesn't mean he's not one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. He is so talented. He played phenomenal football all of last year. But at the same time, I think that when you look at Aaron Rodgers and this whole Green Bay Packers situation, this is a guy who I don't want to, I don't necessarily know if there's pressure, but that is a guy that won many playoff games. And Will, the more and more I thought about this over the weekend, I kind of had a, a light bulb moment to me. And it's that Aaron Rodgers, you know, he is making this seem, this whole fiasco like, oh, the Packers drafted Jordan Love, and I'm so upset about that. And look, he is rightfully so to be upset about that. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But at the same time, if he is so upset about that, then basically what he's saying is, you know, he's so upset that he didn't have another weapon. That You know, the, the Packers, he could have used more help. But at the same time, I don't understand why if this whole situation was just much ado about nothing, then why didn't Aaron Rodgers come out and say that? And given everything that's been going on with him and the GM, this is a dicey, dicey situation in the making. Now, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I don't necessarily know if there's going to be a deal that comes to mind that makes me say, okay, this is definitely worth trading the MVP for. So if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm doing everything I can to work this out. Even if it means firing the GM, Brian Gutekus, who, let's face facts, you know, we, it seems like uh, Aaron Rodgers and him, they don't really like each other. So if it's Aaron or the GM, I'd fire the GM. But at the same time, I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's kind of given off that history that he's shown many times before. Zach, I'm glad that the light bulb went off in your head because sometimes we all need that reality check to come in the mail. We all do. Sometimes we go on the show and we have opinions, you know, especially when stuff is brand new. We don't let it marinate. We don't let it digest. And we have an opinion. And sometimes after the show's over, we sit back and say, I was really chatting. There's times that I had said that to my own damn self. So I'm not throwing shots at you, Zach. There was a couple of times when I sat down and I was like, I'm chatting. But last week wasn't one of them. 
And I'm glad that you joined the train with me with this Aaron Rodgers situation because I feel like Aaron Rodgers needs to suck it up and let it go. And I said that last week because in that situation where Aaron Rodgers last year was sitting on his couch watching the draft, the Packers, they did what they felt was best. They said, you know what? Jordan Love is falling and we can move up and trade and, and draft him because who's to say Aaron Rodgers would have had that MVP year that he ended up having. We didn't know that. It looked like he was declining. He didn't look the same. You know, he looked like a shell of himself. So why not get a quarterback, stash him for the next couple of years to be Aaron Rodgers' successor? Drafting Jordan Love, everybody assumed that trading, yeah, you traded up. But everybody assumed that because they did that, he was going to start week one. That's a bunch of malarkey. The reason why they traded up to draft Jordan Love was partly because, yeah, Aaron Rodgers showed, you know, he wasn't spectacular that year, but they wanted to stash him for the next couple of years like they did with Brett Favre and, and, and Aaron Rodgers. You know, until the wheels come off, then we moving on. We already got a backup plan. He's stashed. He's ready to go when that time comes. So I think in this case, a lot of people don't seem to talk about this, Zach, in this specific point. I done heard a thousand radio shows talk about this Aaron Rodgers situation. What about the middleman here? What about Jordan Love? How is he supposed to fail when he didn't ask to be drafted into this situation? He wanted to play football. He's a baller. That's where he was in college. He didn't ask to be in the middle of a daggone disagreement involving him before he even touches the football field. And now you have a situation where you got a MVP quarterback that just won the MVP, still a great quarterback, one of the best in the league, and he wants out because of you. And the organization doesn't even believe in you enough for you to dress. So what does that do, excuse me, for Jordan Love's confidence? And I see nobody talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I think I hinted at this last week, is that, look, I am on the same page as you when you said if the Packers really believe that Jordan Love, if they, you know, saw Jordan Love at the Senior Bowl and they were just like, all right, like this guy could be uh, our franchise quarterback. Once again, I had no problem with them doing that. The only thing is they had to understand that when they made that pick, they had to understand the possible the possible risks and consequences that could go along with that. And I'm not – you're right. Like Jordan Love, he didn't ask to be uh, in the situation whatsoever. But the problem is – when was the last time we've seen a quarterback drafted in the first round and then after a year, like, not only do we not know anything about Jordan Love, we haven't even seen him throw. Like, this dude didn't dress last year. When was the last time we've seen that with a quarterback who hasn't been injured? You know, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks in recent years back up as a rookie. But when was the last time we've seen a quarterback drafted in the first round not dress not injury-related for a full season. I would season. say this. I would say this, Zach. And that's a fair point to bring up. Your superstition there, there's no problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. But at the same time, we wasn't in a normal situation here. When we talk about OTAs, you know, mini camps, training camps, normally things that get quarterbacks, rookies up to date, up to speed. You know, they need those extra reps. And I feel like because of that, maybe – you know, they saw a little something and he wasn't there yet. You know, he was like, all right, there's a, this is a project that has potential. And I'm pretty sure they believe that Jordan Love has potential, but it is a process that was affected due to the COVID pandemic and how everything changed in the NFL. So I don't think you're looking at it from that perspective and how that can impact the growth in a timely manner. 
Absolutely. But at the same time, and I understand Jordan Love, like I'm not trying to throw him like under the bus. I'm not saying this is a problem. Like I still think he could be a good player. Once again, both you and I, we don't know anything about this guy as an NFL football player. We have not seen this guy even dress for a game. But at the same time, Lil, if you're the Packers, right, and I understand you're in some hot water with Aaron Rodgers, you have to realize that at this point, as as stubborn as they could be, they have to realize that, okay, like, this is kind of – like, it's time to admit that we kind of made a mistake drafting Jordan Love. Like, no offense, but this guy can't even make it on the field. So, if I'm the Packers and you see what Aaron Rodgers did for you last year and the season he had, when Jordan Love still has value, if I'm Green Bay right now, I'm trying to do exactly what uh, New England did with uh, Jimmy, G, Jimmy G making Tom Brady happy. I'm doing that exactly with Jordan Love because it makes sense for both sides. And if you're the Packers, I think it's time to admit you messed up. Well, I don't think that's a bad point. I don't think that's a bad point. Maybe they should do what Jimmy G, that whole situation with Jimmy G and Tom Brady to make Aaron Rodgers feel more comfortable and feel like, you know, he has some, you know, how can I say it? He has some transparency. Right. Because right. here's the question. Do you think that this whole Aaron Rodgers fiasco is fixable? Do you think that if the Packers trade Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers is going to say, okay, like, I'm, I'm all set, I'll be ready to go? Or do you think the relationship is so broken right now that even if they trade Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers is going to say, you know what, I hate the GM and the team so much that I ref- I'm just going to retire and host Jeopardy? Because I think that is the question that we all are waiting for. And that's a dicey question because you alluded to it when you started off your statement that Aaron Rodgers is not the most easiest guy to be around. Like he's a hell of a talent and it seemed like he was taking strides this year as far as being an overall better person, you know, meditating more, but he still has his ways. And, and I can't really answer that because who's to say they do trade Jordan Love that would make Aaron Rodgers happy. I can't really say, but Aaron Rodgers won the MVP this year, but Aaron Rodgers is getting older. Who's to say that, all right, you stick with Aaron Rodgers for, you know, I still think he got a good two or three years left, right? Probably three years max. Good two years of, of playing MVP caliber football. Is that two years enough that you will want to trade but, away but, your, your but you were a game away from the NFC. You were a game away from the Super Bowl last year, bro. If you're, if you're the Packers, why aren't you doing whatever you can to make your star quarterback happy? I don't care that That's he's – you may be right. He's annoying to work with. I totally understand. But at the same time, he's your quarterback, and 31 other teams in the league would want him. And this is the problem. When Aaron Rodgers gets upset by the Packers, like, I understand. He's very annoying, and he could be a tough guy to work with. But at the same time, it's not like they've done nothing for him. This team is really good. They want, They were the number one seed in the NFC last year, and they were a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl. But at the same time, for the past 10 years, it's moves and, and, and just not acting like a big market team like this that really makes me question if they're fully dedicated to winning or not. And if I got, I got to be honest, Lil, you know, if I know Kenny C's not here with us, but you know, the Packers are a team that should be in that Super Bowl conversation every year. And unfortunately, their management doesn't act like it. And if I was a Packer fan, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers does have a problem. But I just don't think that there's a better situation for Aaron Rodgers other than staying with the Green Bay Packers. It's one thing to have 
a, a feeling towards somebody or organization. But there's another thing to say, I don't have no other ways to go. I, you know, I have to stay here. And I do believe that Aaron Rodgers, other, I mean, if he gets traded to Denver, he gets his wish. And that's a hell of a good place for him to go to. That's already a team with good wide receivers and a good defense. But if you're the Packers, you did make it to the NFC Championship game. And I really feel like the Packers is trying to play two games. They're trying to win now, but they also are trying to develop the future. and prepare Right, for which the- is why if, if Jordan Love can get on the field, why don't you just admit to yourself, okay, we screwed up drafting this guy. While his value is still there, why not see what we could get for him? Because guess what? Let's just say he got value now. Because we well, haven't seen it. Well, wait, 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 hold on. Let's, okay, fine. So let's say if you're the Packers, you get rid of Aaron Rodgers and you play Jordan Love. What happens if he sucks? Like, he probably will because he can't get on the field. Then his value goes down the drain. And that is how, if you're Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, you get fired, which you cannot do. Which is why if I'm the Packers and their front management and their front office, I'm waving the white flag. As, you know, as annoying as, as much as you hate Aaron Rodgers, as annoying as he may be, just say, look, we screwed up. We're sorry. We are fully committed to winning a Super Bowl. It's not that hard. And if I was a Packer fan, I really wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't. Yeah, they put themselves in this situation. Um, and regards to Aaron Rodgers, I'll just say this because I don't want to lag too long. I'll just say this. One thing about Aaron Rodgers, I feel like, and this goes to um, Russell Wilson, this goes to Deshaun Watson, there is something called sacrifice to help your team win. And I think Tom Brady has mastered that art, you know, and, and that's one of the key factors on Tom Brady and why he wins championships. I don't think, and I'm a Tom Brady fan. You see Tom Brady on my wall. He's a talented guy. No, don't get me wrong. But I don't even think Tom Brady is this inferior talent where that's, his, that's why he wins championships. It's not because of that. It's because of the sacrifice with, and the leadership. Those qualities alone is why Tom Brady continues to win championships each year and taking pay cuts so he can have a great team. What Aaron Rodgers wants, what Russell Wilson wants, what Deshaun Watson wants, they wasn't thinking about that when they signed those extensions. So I'm not going to feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to feel sorry for Deshaun Watson, even though I'm I, and this is a, a left turn because I know I've been in favor of Deshaun Watson because the Texas is a, is a terrible organization. But I'm not going to feel sorry for these guys, Russell Wilson included, because they signed extensions. So they didn't think about all that. They took the money, and now they got to live with it, and they got to wait till they become a free agent. Aaron Rodgers is not becoming a free agent anytime soon. So it's either his career is going to end in general, and he's going to go to jeopardy, or the pack is going to be in jeopardy having to trade him. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you bring up. And at the same time, it's one of those things where it just really makes me realize like Tom Brady is just he's an outlier. There aren't many guys built like him because as great as you know, how many years have we been saying, you know, Tom Brady takes pay cut, which allows uh, the team to build around him. These star quarterbacks just aren't built like that today uh, in 2021. So I'm very curious. And think about it. New England is as cheap, if not cheaper. Obviously, this year, New England went on a huge spending spree. So they put that cheap notion to bed. But before this year, the Patriots were the cheap of the cheaps. And Tom Brady noticed that. So he took a pay cut within a cheap organization. The Packers don't spend big money. They don't get marquee free agents over there. And so if you're Aaron Rodgers, maybe taking a pay cut. Maybe we work restructuring that contract to get other guys around you to surround you with talent so you cannot be just one step away from a championship, but you can actually play in it and win it. 
Absolutely, man. So this whole Aaron Rodgers situation, it's going to be, uh, you know, very interesting to see how it goes down. But that's the question, man. I think that's the question we're going to have to wait on. Is there any way the Packers could fix this? Or is Aaron Rodgers really telling the truth when he says, when those reports are coming out, either trade the GM or either uh, fire the GM or trade me? Because whatever, uh, I'm not playing for you guys anymore. But we'll see how it ends up uh, going down. Let's move on to topic number two. So, Will, I'm going to throw this over to you. The NFL offseason with the draft over is just about uh, done in terms of uh, all the uh, transactions and stuff like that. But one of the main questions we like to debate on this show is which teams got better, which teams got worse, which uh, teams' moves did we like, which teams' moves did we not like. So I'm going to throw it over to you and ask, what were your top three most improved teams from the start of the 21, uh, 2021 offseason to now. All right, I'm going to go three to one. I'm going to go three to one, and I'm going to give you three teams, and these are my three teams right now. At number three, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. I like what they did during the offseason. First of all, they gave Tua help. You know, Tua, I thought, had potential, but he didn't live up to it um, last year. He didn't at all. So what you need to do is surround Tua with talent because they didn't have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. You get Will Fuller over there, a guy who still can play. Had a hell of a year on Houston. Obviously, injuries are a concern, but he's a speed wide receiver that can throw the lid off the defense. You get him. You also get, I believe they also got Matt Masuka. Is now the Dolphins' starting center. And now you, you combine that, what they did during the free agency market and what they did during the NFL draft, Getting a guy like Jalen Waddle, who I think is the best wide receiver, who will be the best wide receiver in the next couple of years out this draft class. This is a guy that he 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 is he can take it to the ballpark. He's a home one hitter. That's him. You know, and Tua has a lot of help. You build around Tua. I also like the offensive lineman that they did take in the draft as well from Notre Dame. That's a guy that is going to be starting. So now you got offensive line protection. You got wide receivers weapons for Tua. You already have a good defense that is coached up by a defensive-minded head coach and Brian Forrest. I think they got better. At number two, I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. This was the year of Bill Belichick's revenge tour because he went out and spent. He didn't do the Patriot way. He said, you know what? The Patriot way... We're going to put you on, on hold and we're going to evolve to modern times. And we're going to go out there with the space that we have, the cash space, and spend and go on a huge shopping spree like we won the damn lottery. Getting a guy like Nelson Aguilar, getting Hunter Henry, John o. Smith, who had a breakout year last year playing second fiddle to A.J. Brown. He broke out last year from the Tennessee Titans, just like I predicted too. And you got him over there. You wanted two tight end sets. You got... You know, wide receivers, you also got Kendrick Bourne. You also got Judon as well. And they did their main dirt. They they did their main dirt during the NFL free agency. The draft was all right, too. I like their draft. Obviously, Mac Jones. Now you throw him in there with Cam Newton to have a quarterback battle. You get yourself a quarterback and you're good money. So the Patriots is up and running. And at number one, I, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. I think that Urban Meyer bought himself a new team. One of the things that, one of the luxuries that the Jacksonville Jaguars had 
was they had the number one cap space in the NFL. I believe it was around $73 million in cap space. And they had the draft capital. So I didn't think they did anything to say that they messed up, messed it up. I like the moves that they made starting in the offseason. Getting a guy like Marvin Jones, a wide receiver who had a good year with the Lions. You got him over there now. You also got Shaquille Griffin. Seattle, cornerback. He's going to be starting alongside C.J. Henderson. So you got a, a secondary a defense that was terrible last year that already is going to get better. I also like what they did with getting Philip Dorsett as well. Obviously not the big playmaker, but you can still throw him in that offense. And I like their draft moves. I like what they did during the draft. I like the creativeness. I like Trevor Lawrence, obviously. That's your Peyton Manning of the future. That's your Tom Brady of the future. You have him, and you don't ask him to be the savior. No, we're going to draft Travis Etienne, so we're going to have a two-one-and-back system because you also got um, Robinson over there. So you got a two-one-and-back system. He doesn't have to do much. Play action as well. You also got, I heard they working out Tim Tebow. I don't know how well, that's going to work. He's, he's going to be trying out, yeah. Yeah, they're looking like they're going to sign him to a tight end. I don't know how that's going to work. It's, it is an experiment. It's going to take a lot of creativity. There's going to be moves that Urban Meyer makes that we're going to sit here and, and scratch our head, but it might work. And I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy. Even though the Colts is the favorite to win, outside of the Colts, I don't like the other teams in this division. I think they got better, and I think they will make noise in this division. So those are my three teams right there. Yeah, just a quick thing about Jacksonville. Uh, just a quick uh, name to watch. Uh, they, in the third round, t took a kid I actually used to go to day camp with by the name of Andre Sisco, safety from Syracuse. The kid is a playmaker. Watch out for him because he could play. But those are all really good picks. But um, I have a couple of the same teams, a couple other teams. Let's go. Miami, number three for me. I agree. I really like what they did. I think that Jalen Waddell was a pick that a lot of casual football fans will see and say, what? They drafted Jalen Waddell over Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy and dominated college football all of last year. And nothing against Devontae Smith. He's a fine player. But people don't realize that Jalen Waddell, at least pre-injury, and he looked at least good enough to play in that national championship, was just the more explosive player. I think the more pro-ready player. And I think Miami... If they could use him right, that could end up to be a really good pick. Tua played with him at Alabama, so I'm going to agree with you there. My number two team, right? Sometimes in the offseason when we do these winners and losers, most improved teams, we tend to uh, find the team that has the team that signs the, the most names and the team that, you know, spends the most money. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. My number two team to me is a team that they didn't really make that many splashes, but I love their draft. And I think that they just filled a lot of holes, most notably on the defensive side of the ball. And that is the Cleveland Browns. I was really impressed with what these Browns did in this offseason. Look, Jadavion Clowney, he's a guy that I've criticized a lot in the past. And I get it. Former number one overall pick. And look, he hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype. But at the same time, when you sign this guy to, to just be a piece to your team, a guy to be a part of your defense of that unit and not to be the end-all, be-all guy, I think that's a guy that could get pressure on the quarterback and do some work and improve that defense. They also really improved their secondary, bringing in John Johnson, one of the more underrated safeties in the league from the Rams, and Troy Hill. And my number one winner from this offseason is actually 
the defending AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs, simply because, look, they were went away from the Super Bowl back-to-back last year. They lost two games all year, and we know better than anyone will. Why did they lose that game? Besides, you know, the Bucs were a great team, all that. That defense, Patrick Mahomes had nowhere to go. And the fact that they stole Orlando Brown from their rival, the Ravens, I mean, I don't, I can't think of a, a move that is more impactful than that uh, this whole offseason. They also draft a Creed Humphrey, a center from Oklahoma who's been starting since his freshman year. Big fan of his. Um, Kansas City is another team. Look, they didn't necessarily make all the splashy moves, but they also brought in Joe Tooney, very good offensive lineman uh, from New England. So I think that offensive line, which was their weakness last year, just got better. The Chiefs, my number one winner of the offseason. Yeah, I just want to make a quick comment about the Browns. I like the Browns. And I think that was that was one of my notable nominees is the Browns, you know, first team out of my top three because I, I like what they're doing. I like what they're building. And I, I don't think there's a team other than probably your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can all view the Chiefs, that has more talent than the Cleveland Browns. I would actually put Cleveland Browns right up there, if not number one. They have talent on both sides of the board. You mentioned Jadavion Clowney who hasn't lived up to the lofty expectations that he had coming out of college, but he's still a quality player when you take into consideration that he will be playing alongside Miles Garrett as well. So you're talking about a defense that was solid last year that will get better this year, and I like what they have offensively. I'm not sure Baker Mayfield is the answer, but if he can build on how he left us in that AFC divisional round, if he can build on to that, they can do some things in, in the AFC, the Browns. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think about Kansas City, though? You know, like, do you think their moves were as impactful as I think they are? I don't think it's as impactful as the teams that I listed or the teams that you listed outside of them because of other reasons. But I do think, in, in general speaking here, they did get better. That's for sure. I did think they upgraded. I just don't think it was significant where – They are a totally different football team. I just think they got better. There are going to be some training camp quarterback competitions with all of these quarterbacks getting drafted. Maybe there's another trade or two in the books before the start of the season. Who knows? But I'll start this one off. There are going to be some notable, notable quarterback battles in training camp. And for me, the one that I'm looking forward to the most, the one that I'm most curious to see uh, what happens is the Chicago Bears. And for me, the reason why that is is because – I think Justin Fields puts Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace both in a super unique situation because, well, I think we could all agree. Right now, Bears fans are more positive than they've ever been. They don't know if Justin Fields is the answer or not, but what they do know is that their GM was aggressive and he traded up for a guy that mostly everyone in that city liked. They saw him play at Ohio State, but at the same time, both you and I said many times on the show before the draft, why is Justin Fields falling? We thought this guy was the number two pick. So the, we have still have to figure out why he fell. And, you know, I know you like to say there's some politics involved. You know, who knows? But at the same time, there has to be some reason why he fell. And I'm curious to see what the Bears do if they're willing to take that risk to start him week one if, you know, they don't necessarily know if he's ready or not. Because let's face facts, if Justin Fields doesn't work out, 
then Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace could be out the front door. So I'm curious to see if he's not ready to go by week one, are Nagy and Pace going to say, look, this guy might just be our only hope. What's the point of playing Andy Dalton? I just want to make this point. I'm bringing it up because I want the audience to know why I said what I said, mainly for the audience so they can get a better idea of when I said um, Justin Fields falling down in the driver's politics. I just want our audience to know that sometimes we get on this mic and we may say a take to try to make it a hot take to get ratings. Me personally, when I do make a take, I have my reasons to to back it up. You know, I always come with receipts. So I just, I'm glad you brought that up because I want our audience to know that in the draft, right, in the draft season, before the draft, there was a, a report that came out that Justin Fields, a quarter of the scouts, actually rated him the second highest quarterback to play now, the, the second most ready NFL quarterback to play now. And they had, most of them had him number one. I actually had him number one, a quarter of these scouts, even over Trevor Lawrence. So you tell me, you take a report like that from actual NFL scouts that's evaluating a guy like that and to, and to tell me how two weeks, you know, like a, a couple months ago, he was this highly regarded prospect and out of nowhere, his stock kept dropping. So I want the audience to tell me why that has been and why it's not politics involved with that. Everybody thought he was a good prospect and the scouts did too. So I do believe that was politics. But um, well, yeah, to- but just... I was just going to say, before you uh, get into that, I was just going to say, I think the Bears, by making that pick, are fully willing to go down the grave or to the moon based on the results of Justin Fields. Because let's face facts, if there was politics involved and the Bears got a steal in Justin Fields and and, and they traded up, then Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are going to be keeping their jobs for a very long time. And hopefully Justin Fields could bring a Super Bowl uh, back to the city of Chicago. But at the same time, if there, if you know, he just fell because there was, you know, something wrong with him football wise, then we're going to find out very quickly. And I'm curious to see, does Chicago, how willing is Chicago to find out the results with Justin Fields? Because Nagy and Pace, man, they're fighting for their jobs, and I'm curious to see how the intertwining of Justin Fields and when he plays with uh, those two guys' jobs. I'm curious to see how they connect and if they will uh, at all have an impact on each other. Before I get to my team, I just want to add on to that. The Bears is in a situation, I believe, that they have no choice. I don't even think it's a quarterback battle. And if Andy Dalton does win the starting job, it won't be for long. Matt but what if Nagy, Justin Fields? What if at practice or at camp, like Andy or Justin Fields just shows he's not ready? Like we've seen plenty of, and that would be the only situation if he shows he's not ready. And Andy Dalton looks like the guy that they say was going to be the number one quarterback for sure. Okay, 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 that's fine. But then that brings up the question. That brings up the question, though. This is why I find it interesting. Let's say the Bears use that approach. What happens if they start off like two and four, and Andy Dalton's not bad, but he's Andy Dalton. We, you know, we've seen this guy play for eight to nine years. We know what he is at this point in his career. But we don't know what Justin Fields is. So are the Bears willing to, you know, when, when is that GM and coach willing to say, okay, we went all in drafting this guy. Are we really going to go all in now by playing him, especially if the fans want him? Because you know, Will, the fans, I think, are on the same page as you. They think that Justin Fields got screwed over. They think he's, you know, the second best quarterback in the draft. That's why they're so excited to get him. So, if there is a, a disconnect between the fans who say, okay, we want Justin Fields, but Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are like, oh, he may not be ready in practice, but, uh, you know, he may be our only chance to save our jobs. What do we do? Dude, Matt Nagy 
and um and, and they have they they had their hands full because they know that they don't have their job security. So I think that makes it even more intriguing. Will you throw Justin Fields out there to start it off to see because you know your jobs is on the line. So that will be a savior. Do you think Andy Dalton can win you some games and keep your job? That's going to be very intriguing. So I'm glad you brought that team up. But the reason why I have another quarterback competition that's even more intriguing is for reasons that I'm going to bring up right now. And that is Mac Jones and Cam Newton for the New England Patriots. And that is because I never felt like the Patriots were ever committed to Cam Newton. So I really do think that this is an open quarterback battle. I never felt that they was. The, the contract that they gave him was not Cam Newton friendly. He was more team friendly. So you drafted Mac Jones, right? And now you're going to have yourself a quarterback battle. The reason why this is interesting to me and more intriguing is because Cam Newton is a, is a star personality. So are you going to, let's say Mac Jones wins the quarterback battle in your eyes. Or you going to pinch Cam Newton, this, this figure? Because, Zach, we all know sometimes popularity gets you a job. Popularity gets you your recognition. You know, I didn't seen hip-hop battles where the guy that was the most popular won the battle and actually really didn't win the battle when you look at lyricism. Or you going to bench Cam Newton, a guy that's Superman that has this big fan base that's still holding on to him. Or you going to bench him. Is, is Mac Jones going to fold under that pressure knowing that he's battling Cam Newton. Yes, not the same Cam Newton that got to a Super Bowl, but it is Cam Newton. It's a name that you remember. And even though little boys at football camps want to disrespect Cam Newton, like that little boy did in that video, Cam Newton is still Cam Newton. So I think that that gives pressure, a lot of pressure to Mac Jones. And I do think it makes for an intriguing battle because Mac Jones is in the perfect situation in New England you know, being drafted by the New England Patriots. He's going to want sort of the same thing like he ran at Alabama. Talented wide receivers, talented tight ends, and he's going to sit there and he's going to be coached by um, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. And I just think that Cam Newton is not only that Cam Newton is a personality, he is the hardest person, hardest working person in the room. He's going to be the last to leave the film room and the first one to get in. He's that type of guy. He puts in the work. He practices. So I don't think Cam Newton is going to sit here and fold and say, you know what, Mac Jones, this is your job, buddy. Nah, it's not going to happen with Cam Newton. He has a thousand ways to be motivated because people have been writing him off. So I think you're going to have a, a, a motivated Cam Newton that's going to be ready to prove the world that he's still Superman. But you also got Mac Jones, and that's why this is intriguing to me the most. Yeah, so let's get into this. I have a couple quick points I wanted to uh, bring up here with uh, these two quarterbacks. So I remember you saying before the draft that uh, with the 49ers and you were like, all right, they cannot draft Mac Jones. I think drafting him at number three would be a huge reach. And there were many people that were on the same page as you. It's very funny how much perception and where you get picked goes in terms of how teams feel about their draft after the fact. You know, I feel like a lot of times – uh, people say, oh, you know, these uh, post-draft, uh, you know, uh, grades are irrelevant because you have no idea what the players are going to turn out to be. Well, I think they're relevant, but you have to put some context with it. What I'm curious about is this, Will. If everyone is like, okay, Mac Jones is such a reach, like what were the 49ers doing taking him at three, then why would he be able to succeed in New England? I understand the Patriots got better, but 
if you ask me which group of skill positions is better and which group of skill position and which offensive coach is better, I would take Kyle Shanahan right now over that Patriot system. But forget that. You know, we could debate that another day. The question I have for you is this. I'm gonna come I got to be honest. The Patriots, this is a huge season for them, right? You know, if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl last year. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they're going to want to get some payback for last year. And I think we can both agree, like, Matt Jones may be a good quarterback in the future, but it's going to be very hard for him to lead the Patriots to the playoffs or, like, to a division title this year. And I got to be honest with you, Will, I think Bill Belichick is crazy enough to think that he could win with Cam Newton as a starting quarterback. And I think by win, I mean, like, win the division and win nine to ten games. Now, for me, do I think that's possible? No. I'm talking about the best coach of all time because if he didn't think that, why would he bring him back and why wouldn't they have another option at quarterback? I would say this. I would say this, Zach. I do think you're absolutely wrong, terribly wrong, that Cam Newton cannot win this division. Being the no, I, no, no, but hold on, hold on. I didn't say I thought. I said I think that's what's in Bill Belichick's head. And Well, well if yeah. Bill Belichick thinks that, then we're going to see. Because, like I said last year, nobody was getting that Patriots team to a division title win with those weapons that they didn't have. So right, I but think, look at the team now. You know, they, they got better. Bill's probably thinking, look, you know, this guy, I brought him back with better weapons, a better offense, a better defense. Let's do it. Drafting Mac Jones, Bill Belichick drafting Mac Jones was a a way of saying, you know what, Cam Newton is not a hundred percent. And I said this before, from the eye test, he's not a hundred percent. He's not that same guy. But I didn't give Cam Newton a fair shake last year because I didn't have the weapons that he needed to succeed. So you know what, I'm going to give Cam Newton that contract and extend him so he can have a prove it year. They probably was like, you know what, we have to take Mac Jones because. We're going to have him battle with Cam Newton, and Cam Newton is either going to show me that he can still play quarterback at a high level with the team that we built during free agency, or it's going to be Mac Jones' job for right now. Mm-hmm. I just think at the same time, though, don't you that's think That's why that- it's an intriguing, Zach, and that's exactly why this is intriguing. Right, exactly, exactly. I agree. Another great uh, team to bring up, but I just think at the same time, dude, like, if everyone is saying, like, Oh, Mac Jones, you know, he, that would have been such a, a terrible pick for the 49ers at three. That, that would have been yeah. such a reach. You know, what, what, what were they doing? Why? How can I'm one you of those think? people. I'm right. one of those people. Right. And I'm not like, I understand why you're saying that, dude. But like, here's my question, right? I understand the Patriots and the Patriot way and, you know, six Super Bowls and Bill Belichick's the greatest coach I've ever seen, bro. Like, no doubt about it. But at the same time, like, we have to press the reset button and realize, look, like, we're in 2020. You know, we spoke about it, I think, before the draft. Like, the Patriots are stuck in 2005. Like, they have to change their approach. They have to get, you know, a little bit more modern to uh, the the modern-day system. And my question is this, is that – if they're in that modern-day approach and they uh, went up to draft a quarterback, then, okay, that's fine. But why didn't they go draft uh, – you know, why didn't they maybe uh, trade up or be more aggressive? I lost my thought here. I'm sorry. But at the same time, I'm just saying that it's, it's an intriguing battle uh, for a reason. And um, I think Bill Belichick believes he could win with Cam Newton. I really do. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have to see. But like I said, it's going to be interesting. These battles are going to be interesting. 
Um, also, you got, you got Jimmy Garoppolo and um, Trey Lance. That's another intriguing battle that we didn't bring up. But that is intriguing. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before, before, before I forget. So, right. We have to remember that we're in 2021. So, I think we have to ask ourselves, right? If you're saying that Mac Jones wasn't going to work with San Francisco and he's not going to work with Kyle Shanahan's offense, my opinion, the most quarterback-friendly offense in football with the running game of running backs with, you know, no-name running backs that could just, you know, get 100 yards in their sleep, a good offensive line. Like, that's a great offensive system with, you know, I understand the names aren't there, but that's a place where all quarterbacks succeed. You compare that to New England, I understand they spend some money, but, but, but we don't know how good Nelson Aguilar is going to be in that weather. You know, we, who on the Patriots offense scares you right now? You know, I get, you know, they got some good guys, but, like, you compare that to San Francisco, it's not even close. I will answer that. I'm glad you brought that up because I could definitely answer that because I was one of those people that said Mac Jones wasn't going to work on the 49ers. It wasn't going to be a good fit. That's mainly what I said. It wasn't going to be a good decision by the 49ers. I still think if Mac Jones would have went there, he would have had some success because it is Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I did make that clear when we talked about that, that any quarterback that Kyle Shanahan decides to take will, to some extent, be successful, but only to a certain extent based on the quarterback. So that's what I said. So Matt Jones would have been successful going to the 49ers. But I think the reason why we all love, and this is the media, and this is myself, why we love Matt Jones going to New England is because New England reminds you of Alabama. And most guys that go from Alabama goes to New England because um, Bill Belichick loves him some Alabama guys. So you think about Bill, um, Josh McDaniels. This is not a, a bad uh, bad coordinator. This is a great offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels that opens up the playbook. Yeah, it's a complex system, but, man, once that system is running, that system is running. So I do like Mac Jones' fit on New England because of his personality. He fits New England. You can look at Mac Jones and personality and everything. It just fits a certain team. And if you're talking about New England being this old-fashioned team, well, isn't Mac Jones an old-fashioned quarterback? Because he's a pocket passer. He's not right. one of those running quarterbacks. How does this not fit? I just got to be honest. Um, I think of all of these situations, I got to, uh, I'll just say it. I would be very, very, very surprised if we are sitting here looking week one and Mac Jones is under center for the Patriots. Like, I'm going to ask you, what percent chance do you think uh, Mac Jones starts uh, week one for New England because I would say it's about 10% right now. I would say it's about 27%, 27%. I give him a fight because if he sits, if he goes to camp and wins the competition outright, he probably would start because I do believe that Bill Belichick believes but can he though, you know, well, But can he? Like, can he beat Cam Newton in a, in a quarterback competition? And, and when that's I exactly why this right, is right, intriguing. Right, right, exactly. The thing is, though, I just think it's very, very unlikely that that happens. Even if Mac Jones has the best camp of all time, I cannot see Bill Belichick benching Cam Newton as, you know, even though, you know, look, I'm with you. You know, he he was not good last year at all, especially, but you know, say this. Season, but the first would, eight games, I can't see it. I would say this. Even though we all knew Cam Newton was going to win that job because Jared Stidham wasn't any good, Bill Bell, that was an open quarterback battle. So, and that was with Jared, um, Jared Stidham. So we all should know that this is an open quarterback battle. Now, if it's, if it's Cam Newton's to lose, that's up for debate. We will see when that happens and who eventually comes out on top. But it is an open quarterback battle, and it was last year as well. So Cam Newton is going to have to go, and he's going to have to take that job. He's not going to give you – just because he's Cam Newton as well, 
he's just not going to be handed that job because this is New England. New England don't care who you are. They let Randy Moss go after a couple of years. They let their best players go. They don't operate like your regular normal franchise. So they're not going to look at Cam Newton and say, well, you're Cam Newton. You, you're Superman. We're going to just hand you that job. They're not going to do that. Mac Jones is going to have every opportunity to compete for that starting job. Right. I think for me, I just have it – the way I see it, I think – the only reason why Bill Belichick could have possibly brought Cam Newton back is because he really believes deep down in his soul that he could win with him. Because we both saw last what year, time, bro. What other option did the, the Patriots have? If you can they, enlighten me at that time. They could have traded for Matthew Stafford. They could have drafted a quarterback. But they, Matthew Stafford said, and I quote, trade me any other place but New England. So Matthew okay, that's Stafford fine. I, I, okay, if I'm the Patriots, that's fine. You know, I, I would if he's a good enough player where if I'm the Patriots, I would have given up more to and, get him. And, and you already said that you wasn't going to give up the amount that, that the um, Lions gave up for him. I remember you was on my side during right. the debate. No, absolutely. So that's and, the and, and, I think, and to be honest, that's, I, that's my point. The Patriots right, no, had no, no other right, option no, but right. to bring in Cam. Right, but I got to be honest, I'm happy you brought that up. My mind has actually really uh, changed on that subject since. We could obviously get into it another day. But I think if you see a quarterback that you think could be the difference between you and, uh, uh, you know, the future and, and, and winning, you know, I, I have no problem, you know, giving up whatever you think is the right amount to do that. Um, but look, I think New England, that's, you know, they could have had many other options. They could have drafted a quarterback. They could have, uh, you know, Andy Dalton, like whoever. They could have – there were so many other options – and um, Andy Dolan is I, not better than Cam Newton, for sure. For sure. I mean, they probably well, yeah, around the same like, right now, but a, right, I get it. It's that's that's the like, point. The Patriots had no other option but to go with Cam Newton. They wasn't trading for Matthew Stafford. Carson Wentz, why not? They, because they they probably looked at Carson Wentz and, and was like, you know what? They, he like, look, I get, I get. Uh, Carson Wentz was bad last year, but like you're telling me that Cam that you know for sure Cam Newton's better, like. I, no, I don't know for sure, for sure. But look, if in that situation, you had an opportunity that you could have got Cam Newton on a free deal, like a cheap deal, a cheap deal, cheap deal. They basically gave him what they gave him last year as far as money. Why would I go and send away our assets for a quarterback that had a down year last year when we could just give our quarterback who's familiar with the offense or have because another you year? Because you, you don't have a quarterback on your roster, bro. Like, that's why. Like, I don't know how you could have watched Cam Newton last year and say, like, oh, like, he's definitely the answer. But I think that's how Bill Belichick is built. I think that's why he brought him back. Why else would he? He brought him back because that was the only option. And they was going to go quarterback in the drive. But just because you go quarterback in the drive does not mean that that quarterback is going to be ready. And the Patriots, like I said, they didn't know that they was going to have Mac Jones. They probably was looking at the Trey Lance, who most people, yeah, he was gaining stock. But at that time, he wasn't uh, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So who was to say the quarterback that they was going to get before we know everything now, that that was going to be a guy that could start week one? So I think they said, you know what, Cam Newton, we're going to give you another prove-it deal. But we are also going to try to get a quarterback if he falls to us. And that's exactly what they did. And now you have a quarterback battle. And Cam Newton is going to have to bring it every day in order to win it. <laughs>